If you're an American conservative, you know that the societal values we hold sacred are under attack. They are hanging in the balance. How can you protect those values? By staying informed. The closing argument will deliver news and supporting evidence you need to support and defend those values. Here's Paul Smith. Good morning. This is Paul Smith, your host of The Closing Argument. In these podcasts, we discuss some of the important but controversial moral, political, and legal issues that affect us and our families today. Some of the things we discuss are not politically correct, but we must discuss them anyway, because this discussion is needed to preserve our liberties, to establish the truth, and to let the world know that there are many people who challenge some of the modern views that challenge traditional morals that really are destructive to America. Now, today we're going to talk about the the, uh, state of the Supreme Court of the United States in 2022. This is appropriate now. We are recording this in early August 2022. We've had about a month to review the latest opinions of the U.S. Supreme Court that came out in late June. And we have a real good idea based on these several cases of, of where the Supreme Court is at. To give you an idea of where they at, the liberals and Democrats are furious at the Supreme Court. They're very happy that people protest and go to their home and, and demonstrate in front of their homes. And the, the, the liberals in, in the Biden administration refuse to prosecute those who do that, even though it's in violation of federal law. They call for a packing of the court so they can get more liberals on there to try to get their point of view passed in cases. So that gives you an idea of how the Supreme Court is doing. And, and the result is they're doing very well because people are upset. These people who are upset should not be. The Supreme Court has uh, now has a solid six justice majority of solid conservative uh, justices. This is the best condition the Supreme Court has been in in 60 years and maybe longer. Um, So uh, I'm going to talk briefly about six cases. Now, in other podcasts, I have talked about three of these cases. I will mention those three again without going into a lot of depth about them. And then I'm going to talk about three other cases that I have not treated in other podcasts. So again, the cases that I'm going to discuss are uh, Dobbs versus uh, Women's uh, Health, West Virginia versus EPA, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Uh, the fourth one is Carson versus Macon, Biden versus Texas, and the last one, Federal Election Commission versus Cruz. And again, these these cases together stand for a, a healthy su- Supreme Court. Now, we've discussed the Dobbs case before, in fact, uh, uh, extensively in the previous broadcast. But uh, the Dobbs case, of course, it deals with abortion and fetal rights, and and I believe it it came out the right way on that, putting the onus on the states and the state legislatures to resolve this. So the the Dobbs case, what's so important about it is it supports federalism, and and it... it, uh, makes it clear that the Supreme Court is not supposed to be a super dictatorial legislature that just feels that it has the authority and power to resolve issues about rights when when those 
decision making uh, authority should belong with the people and the states. And uh, so this is good because the court in, in a number of cases in the last few years has just uh, taken upon itself to just decide issues and to establish liberal viewpoints and to bypass legislative and democratic processes in order to advance the liberal agenda. And of course, the problem here is the Democrats want someone on the court to advance their agenda, whereas true conservatives recognize the role of the court is not to establish anyone's agenda. And so you may get more conservatives on the court, but but that means that they're not necessarily going to advance conservative values if if it run, runs afoul the more important value of, of making sure the Supreme Court has self-restraint and does not interfere in, in states' issues. Second case uh, we talked about in another broadcast is West Virginia versus the EPA. And this was very important because it appears to me that the Supreme Court clearly saw what was going on with, with the climate change hoax folks and and uh, checked them as, as they sought to interpret the Clean Air Act in a way that would allow the EPA to basically put out of business coal-fired power plants. And the Supreme Court in that case says, no, Congress didn't give uh, such authority to the EPA. Uh, you know, the, all it did was had authority to require coal-fired power plants to use the most um, technically advanced uh, technology available to help reduce pollution, but not, but did not give the EPA authority to shut down such power plants and prevent them from producing energy. Uh, a third case that we talked about uh, in a prior podcast was the Federal Election Commission versus Cruz, and in that case, uh, this dealt with the Bipartisan Campaign Finance Reform Act, which, which I have criticized many times, and in this case, uh, it was another. The Supreme Court struck down another part of that law, and this one pertained to the, the law that that uh, a uh, a a person in a campaign who lends money to his campaign can could only repay himself from after election contributions to the extent of $250,000. I'm not sure if you could follow that. That was kind of a technical uh, long sequence there. But Cruz uh, had lent $260,000 to his campaign, and the law would only let him be repaid $250,000. He said that's a ridiculous and unconstitutional limitation, and the Supreme Court agreed. So on one hand, who cares? On the other hand, uh, the the problem with campaign finance reform is it's a lot of them are based on the, the feeling that if you can uh, if you can cut off money from from campaigns, you somehow can uh, you know can make campaigns pure and so forth. Uh, but but frankly, I am of the view uh, money and and speech are inseparably connected. And it's just very difficult to uh, to regulate uh, speech through monetary limitations and to feel like you're really getting a better uh, election system. 
So uh, anyway, I was happy. That was fine. Now I want to talk about three other cases that you may not have heard so much about. The first one I want to mention is Carson versus Macon. All right, this is the case coming out of Maine. And here, this case upheld the state's right to take money for charter schools and, and so forth and give the state money to a religious-sponsored school. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, if, if the state is making money available for charter schools, you can't deny money going to one student because he's going to a religious school, as long as the school is otherwise qualified to teach. And uh, the Democrats had a hissy fit about this. And now, when I first heard about the, this case, my, my thought was, well, this is a no-brainer. I mean, we, this issue has been dealt with by the Supreme Court numerous times. They have several times upheld the right of states to to give money to religious schools. And so why is the, why the big deal? What's going on here? The problem in this case is the state of Maine did not want any benefits to go to a Christian school that had views about homosexuality and gender identity that were not in in harmony with the the radical and woke views of the day. And of course, that's one reason parents send their kids to private schools, because they want traditional values taught. They don't want the new uh, woke views about uh, multiple genders taught. And they don't want to encourage students to explore whether or not they are might be gay. Uh, they they want those things reserved to them as parents, and uh, so that was why this case was such a big deal. But again, the there is no wall of separation between church and state. It is a phrase that has been used for two hundred years. And some of the liberals use it, they, along with the view that uh, that the government should be anti-religious. And but that's not the case. The Supreme Court has consistently held that the government can uh, recognize different religious beliefs as long as it does not establish one religion over the other. There is no freedom of or from religion in the Constitution. It is a situation of accommodating uh, and, but not promoting any one particular religion. Another case that was, uh, was interesting was the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This was a Second Amendment case. And, um, Basically, I, and when I looked at this one, I said, why is this such a big deal? Didn't the court establish that there was an individual right to bear arms in the Heller case in 2008 and in the McDonald case in 2010? Well, it turns out the facts of both of those cases were such that in those cases, the person challenging it wanted to use a firearm in his or her own home. So now this new case from New York, someone asserted that he had the right to carry uh, arms in out in public outside of his home. 
And so, of course, the liberals, and, and there's a lot of them in New York, said, oh, wait a minute, you can't do that. And basically, this, this case ended up just rehashing uh, what the Supreme Court went through in, again, in Heller and McDonald. Now, after the Heller and McDonald case, 43 of the states had uh, established laws where someone could could carry, could get a, a license to carry a gun just by basically asking for it, unless they were a felon or something. They are called shall issue states. But there were, uh, I think, six states, and I know there's a seventh, but there were six states and, and the District of Columbia who would only issue permits for someone to carry like, like a firearm if they could prove they had an immediate uh, urgent need for it. The Supreme Court basically said that this approach violates the Constitution. A person does not need to show any imminent danger or emergency need for a gun in order to have the right to carry, because the right to bear arms is fundamental in the Constitution. And the Supreme Court said, that's what we said in Heller and McDonald's, and, and you should have, it was right there, and you're asking us to second guess it, but, but you were wrong. So this is, was an encouraging case. Um, it, it shows the left's uh, unrelenting uh, opposition to those cases and, and their continuing desire to destroy the Second Amendment. It didn't, didn't work this time. And finally, the, the last case I want to talk about is Biden versus Texas. Now, this is one... Uh, when I heard about it, I thought, well, why is this case a big deal? Again, uh, President Trump had issued an executive order that was in place preventing some immigrants from coming to America. And then Biden, after his election, uh, he passed an executive order rescinding it. So my thought was, well, why can't the president rescind it? Now, I wish he wouldn't. I, In terms of substance, I, I thought... Trump's executive order was helping the U.S., and Biden's attempt to rescind it was a stupid and harmful act. But seemed to me, if it's an executive order, why can't he resist, uh, uh, re, reject, rescind it? Well, it turns out there was another issue here that that caused it to get all the way to the Supreme Court, and that was uh, the. Uh, some people, including the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, felt that the statute, this immigration that statute that was involved, had language that was mandatory shall language that that the court that the judge needed that, that the president needed to uh, prevent these people from entering the country, and and therefore, though uh, though Trump had an executive order to establish this policy. The, Supreme, the argument was that he was just doing what he had to do under the statute. But in this case, by a, a close five to four uh, decision, and a couple of the conservatives, uh, you know, actually went with the, uh, the liberals on this case, they said, well, uh, actually, the language is not mandatory shall, it's permissive may. And, and therefore, if that's what it means, even though I think uh, Kavanaugh was the one who sided with the, the um, liberals here, says, yeah, I, I, I wish that uh, 
that Biden would not use this executive order. But I think I think it's a may. I, I don't think it's a shall. And so because of his intellectual honesty, he ruled that the executive order of Biden was valid, even though it advanced a view with which he disagreed. And he did signal that that upon remand, uh, there may never the less be a way to require the government to keep immigrants from coming into the country because he said in this law, the administration can only allow them to come in if if it can prove that their coming in provides a significant benefit to the public. And he says, you know, whether they can, we don't know. That's going to be another case. One other case that I want to briefly mention is Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, a case coming from the state of Washington. This is the case where a coach named Kennedy was fired as a coach because he would uh, pray silently in the middle of the football field after a game. And his school district forbade him from engaging in any overt actions that could appear to a reasonable observer to endorse prayer while he was on duty as a district paid coach. I'm quoting language from the Supreme Court. In other words, it was okay for him if he would go where nobody would see him and pray. But if he would go in the middle of the field after the game and bow his head and offer silent prayer, that would be seen as engaging in supporting religion, religious conduct. And uh, it was he was fired because they said he violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. The Supreme Court uh, reversed and said that's nonsense, and uh, his free speech rights were violated. So he had a free speech right under the Free Exercise Clause that prevailed over the state of Washington's argument that by doing this this silent prayer in the middle of the field, that, uh, that that was a violation of the Establishment Clause. Of course, other things that were going on as a coach, when he would pray this way, uh, some of the kids would come and, and pray with him or, or meditate with him. And so people didn't like that. Uh, anyway, this was an important case because it represents the efforts by some people to eliminate all vestiges of religion and belief in God from our public discourse and from schools. And and there, there, there is some weighing and, and judging of what you can and cannot do. But, but what the school district did to Mr. Kennedy was wrong, and the Supreme Court vindicated him. In conclusion, the state of the Supreme Court is strong and good. A solid majority currently embraces good conservative principles about the limited value of the Supreme Court. Uh, that is in conformity with the view of the founders and certainly my view and which gives more authority to the states and the people and and prevents the Supreme Court from becoming just a super legislator that that uh, that mandates that their views be accepted the current Supreme Court uh, a solid majority recognize that they need to defer their views and establish those that the Constitution requires. That concludes our discussion for today. Remember that the liberties that we enjoy in America can be maintained only when its citizens are moral and informed participants in the democratic processes. 
The closing argument helps us to do this. We'll see you next time. This is Paul Smith.